Good morning. Uh, thankful to be back with you. Thankful for your prayers uh, for the service today and for your attendance. And as you continue praying that the Lord would bless our time together. Uh, what I have on my mind today is a little unclear as to the, the sermon, so be praying for that. But for this morning, I just want to talk about the importance of our attention to the Gospels, the four Gospels, and especially the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We've talked about the importance, the supremacy of Scripture. We've talked about the need to study the Word of God. But across the spectrum of Christianity, it seems endemic that the focus shifts toward the epistles in the New Testament, the smaller books and or the ones that seem to draw out more clear application and perhaps in the Old Testament, we also focus our attention on specific narratives or stories to the exclusion of some of the more complex or, or more difficult to grasp or understand. And in the New Testament, uh, the Gospels have always held a, a special place in the lives of Christians because they are the foundation of all that we believe and understand. Yet I find in my own life, often in my daily reading and in my study, I find myself drifting away from that foundation, away from the record of the life of Jesus Christ and the words that he speaks, and instead I find myself reading uh, other sections of God's word, which God's word is good, it's all good. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, it's all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, it all is what God has intended to furnish us to good works. But the Gospels have a special place in the lives of Christians because they do contain not only the narrative of Jesus' life, his ministry, his works, the establishment of the New Testament church, and ultimately his sacrifice and death, but also because it's in the Gospels that we read quotes of the actual words of Jesus Christ, what he said. And we read more in the Gospels than anywhere else of Christians interacting with a society that is anti-Christian. We read Jesus Christ interacting with his enemies as they try to stump him with questions that are deemed by them to be hard questions, as they challenge the very message that he's delivering. And as Jesus confronts the confusion that Satan brings into the minds of men over understanding and adapting the words of God, from the very beginning of Matthew's record, when Jesus goes into the wilderness and there he's tempted by the devil, Satan or Satan's agents are casting doubt upon the word of God. Satan in the, in the desert there confronts Jesus and says, the word of God says that he'll send his angels. So why don't you test that? Why don't you show the truth of that? Why don't you prove who you are? And Jesus responds faithfully with the word of God and never bends to that temptation. Jesus Christ gives us, through the gospel record, an example of how we ought to live. It's no accident that believers, disciples, were called Christians at Antioch. Why? Because Christian means to be like Christ in an essential way. Well, how do we know what that means? Well, we find that in the Gospels. So in our daily reading, the New Testament scripture, the Gospels should be a part of that reading on a consistent basis. 
And in our reading of the Gospels, we should be careful that we don't restrict it to those well-known stories or parables or, or sections that, that we hear about often. You know, it's easy to turn to the book of Matthew and turn immediately to Matthew chapter 5 and read 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. We're all familiar with that. But the entire scope of the gospel gives us an entire picture of Christ's life and ministry. And it protects us from a great number of heresies and a great number of errors that are introduced. Another important thing that we find in the New Testament scripture and specifically in the gospels is a a explanation of the meaning of Old Testament scripture. You see, in a very significant way, the New Testament scripture sheds light on the Old Testament narrative. God quotes his own word frequently, and in those quotations, he gives application. Just an example to think about there, the, the gospel of, according to Matthew, contains about 124 quotations of Old Testament scripture. 124 verses or texts are cited in the book of Matthew. And in those citations, there's explanation and application given. And sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes Jesus quotes an Old Testament scripture and makes application that at least I never would have thought of for what that scripture means and how it applies. It's instructive. It helps us understand the Old Testament. The book of Mark contains 70 Old Testament quotations, some of them the same as the ones Matthew gives, some of them a little different. The book of Luke contains about 109, and the book of John about 27. We can understand a lot about the Old Testament scripture by the way it's presented in the New Testament. And the Gospels contain the, the greatest collection of these Old Testament quotes. Jesus Christ frequently references events that occurred in Old Testament, and he applies them in very clear ways. One of the most notable is when he talks about Jonah. What does he say? The same way Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so also the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And just as Jonah was raised up from the belly of that well, raised up from the deep, so the Son of Man is going to be raised up from that grave. Jesus says this Old Testament narrative, this Old Testament story of Jonah, it's typical, it's prophetic of what Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, is going to do. Jesus makes reference in the New Testament scripture, in the gospel, to the importance of the Old Testament scripture. Remember in John's gospel, Jesus says, search the scriptures, in them ye think ye have eternal life, they are they which testify of me. We can't understand the richness, the fullness of the Old Testament scripture without the New Testament. And it's in the Gospels that this is all brought together. Furthermore, the importance of the Gospels is revealed in the dependence of the remainder of the New Testament on referencing the events recorded in the Gospel. You see, everything we read of the Apostle Paul where he speaks of the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, the condescension of Jesus Christ, only makes sense in, a, in the context of what the Gospels reveal to us. Consider in the Philippian letter, when he speaks of Christ's condescension, when he says, though he was equal with God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet he made himself of no reputation, he humbled himself, he took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. 
How do we understand that? Well, we understand it because we read in the Gospels the record. The record of a baby born to a mother who had never known a man. A baby born to a virgin who grew up without sin. Who grew up in a sinful society yet did not sin. He was tempted in all points like as we yet without sin. How do we understand that? Because we understand the record of the gospel that Jesus grew up. How do we understand gospel ministry? Well, Jesus Christ reveals it in the way that he lived. We understand as Jesus Christ began his his public ministry, he began by entering into the water and being baptized. As showing the essential uh, role of baptism in the Christian walk. Remember, he came to John the Baptist, who was called of God to preach repentance and to baptize. And Jesus came and said, baptize me. And John says, no, I can't do that. I can't do that because you are greater than I am. I don't, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes. And Jesus says, I'm not going to argue that point, but suffer it to be so. Why? Because it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And he shows this example of obedience to his own law. He then enters into ministry. He, he calls his disciples and sends them forth to baptize. And then the question of baptism comes up. And John's disciples say, wait a second, why are Jesus' people baptizing more people than we are? John, what's going on here? And John says, he must increase, I must decrease. He's preeminent, he's paramount. And his baptism... His baptism is the baptism of the New Testament church. We find these lessons taught and we find them continually referred back to. So the reading of the Gospels, the understanding of the Gospels is essential. You say, well, I've read the Gospels. I've got the story down. I know about Jesus' birth. I know about his his period in the wilderness. I know about his baptism. I know about his calling of the apostles. I know about the things that he suffered. I know about his death. What reason is there to return to the Gospels? The Lord willing, later this morning, we'll look at some passages maybe of of the Gospels that we're not so familiar with or maybe we haven't reflected on so much. But what I want us to understand is that if we're to live a a full Christian life, if we're to be what God has called us to be, and if we're going to represent Jesus Christ in this world as we're called to do, it's going to be first and foremost because we are completely filled with the knowledge of who Jesus is and of what he taught. And we're going to find application in his words and in his life. And when we read these things, they're not going to be so much just a historical narrative, just a story to us, as they're going to be the essential marrow of our relationship with God and our understanding of who God is. You see, the Hebrew letter begins by telling us that God, who in many different ways and many different manners has spoken in times past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us, By his son. And Jesus Christ is the revelation of God to humanity. He is the way that God reveals himself most clearly to us. And it's in his gospels that we are able to understand the God that reigns. We're able to understand his love for us so clearly. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Well, we see Christ laying down his life. Laying down his life. 
For his friends, yes. But who are his friends? They're enemies whom he called by his grace, who he transformed and made the friends of God. We see the love of God revealed in Christ's service. We see it revealed in his forgiveness. He didn't just say, love your enemies, do good to them who despitefully use you. He, from the cross, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said to Peter, you're going to betray me three times before this night is past. And Peter did it. And Jesus forgave him. Making time for him there on the beach in the closing chapter of John's gospel to say what? Peter, do you love me more than these? Feed my sheep. Jesus Christ is revealed to us in the gospels. And the more time we spend reading the gospels, the more time we spend studying the gospels and understanding the application and what they teach us, the more we'll be delivered from that great malady of our human minds We get so wrapped up in trying to sound intelligent and trying to explain what we believe and trying to defend our doctrine, defend our practice, defend who we are and our identity that we often forget about who it is that's called us and forget to consider how he lived, how he spoke, how he loved, how he died. Finally, the Gospels point to the future. The Gospels contain a very real and very solid message of a future hope. They show us the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They show us the living Lord. And in doing so, they command us to hope in his imminent return. Jesus Christ says, I'm coming back. And the Gospels record this. Here in Acts chapter 1 is where we have the promise. He is coming again. He is our hope. The Gospels are the message of our salvation. Because anything we may say about salvation is meaningless without the fundamental truth upon which salvation is based. We find that in the Gospel. The Gospel is also the ground of our evangelical zeal and our evangelical message. When we go speaking the gospel to those who are in need, those who are not believers, those who have not been converted, the message we go with can never be essentially a message of church history or identity, a message of doctrinal systems. The message we go with is the message the Apostle Paul preached. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We find that in the Gospels. Why do we so often lead in even, even evangelical outreach with the Gospel of John? Because it speaks to the heart of who Jesus Christ is, of what He's done. And it speaks to the heart of a sinner who recognizes they can do nothing to obtain their own deliverance, their own salvation. They have no strength in themselves. Where do we look for strength? We look to Jesus Christ. Where do we find Jesus Christ? We find him in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. God gave us four separate books 
that cover the same material. Why did he do that? There's different points of emphasis. There's different styles of writing. They agree with each other completely. But there's nuances in the way the gospel is recorded. Why is that so important? It gives us a full picture of who our Savior is, of what he did. And it appeals to our different ways of understanding, our different personalities, our different senses of priority. The gospel hits us hard. It hits us in our hearts. And it gives direction and application for our lives. So pray the Lord will bless us uh, in the remainder of the service today and that he'll speak to us through his word and make a renewed commitment to, to spend more time, more time in the gospels, not to the exclusion of the Old Testament scripture, not to the exclusion of the new, but rather to remind us. You know, Peter in his epistle said that before his departure, he thought it necessary that he stir up the pure minds of the church by way of remembrance. Not teaching them new things, not teaching them in new ways, but reminding them of what he reaches back to his own experience of Jesus Christ. I was with him in the Holy Mount. I saw him transfigured before my eyes. John, the apostle, writes in his first epistle, and what does he say? The one whom we saw with our eyes, we heard with our ears, who our hands handled the word of life. Jesus Christ is real. And for all the acts of the apostles and all of the epistles to the churches, what can't be lost is they were all based upon a real person, a real Savior who really lived, who really preached, who really died, and who really rose again. And all of that is the record that God has given us in the Gospels. So let's give attention to it and rejoice in it. Thank you for your attention. Pray for the remainder of the service, if you would.